Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Dude, that is the best looking garage I've ever seen in my life. How are you, bud? This is true, you know, guerrilla garage podcasting going on right now. Uh, I'm in, I guess what you would call my second studio. I've done a number of episodes here, uh, most notably Jimmy, uh, Watch Fiend, and, and Bro Dinky. So I'm back in action here in the garage, but uh, it's great to see you. Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been raining pretty hard. I was worried you were going to have some roof leaks or something, but... I know. Well, that's a whole nother story in itself. I don't want to derail anybody, you know, with my, my, uh, home improvement, um, snafus. I'm still waiting on the, on, on, on some things for that, but it's, it's moving along. It's progressing. It's been surprisingly wet in Southern California for a few weeks. We got a, a break for, from it, but we've got some, some cool wet weather again. And, uh, you know, it's okay. It's lets us kind of hang around the house a little bit and pour some winter drinks and, and sort of have, have a chance to, um, you know, worry, not worry about running around and, and trying to take advantage of what's typically nice weather for us here. Yeah. I threw my, uh, my 16 year old in the car and we were going to try to drive as far as we could up, um, Angeles crest, you yeah. know, before we, before we got into zero, zero kind of whiteout conditions and we didn't make it far up. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> I, I missed, I missed it this, this past new year's, the last two or three new year's, um, either new year's Eve or new year's day. I've thrown everybody in the car and we usually get as far as a uh, red box junction. So yep. just below, right. For, for folks who maybe aren't artists familiar, just below, um, Mount Wilson observatory. And, uh, and that's super fun, you know, especially when there's some snow on the ground, the kids love running out, you know, playing and, you know, building snowmen, having snowball fights. And so I, I owe them a, a trip up there cause we didn't do it on new year's. We ended up, uh, at a friend's, um, which was a ton of fun, but it changed our, our last couple years tradition, I suppose. But that, that is a good time. I like doing that. Yeah, man. So, well, hey, we are both um, a little bit under the gun for time. So, you know, we maybe can kind of short circuit some of the small talk. Let's get right into wrist check, poor check, dude. What have you got today? I've got some fun things, Matt. Um, I went in to see a, a friend of the pod and and most folks here, I think, will be familiar. And, and if not, you know, we've mentioned him a few times, Chase, Horology 411. And I'll circle back to this toward the end of the show, maybe for closing notes. But um why I was there. But when I left, I had this on my wrist, which was really fantastic. This is Chase's um, Omega DeVille. This is the uh, the coaxial chronometer uh, co- chronometer movement in, uh, in, in, in rose gold. And it is just, what a fun piece to, to wear. He's so kind to, to lend it to me, which he is always kind to lend to folks. Um, so this is on loan. He, he did say, though, don't worry. He, he tried to assure me because, you know, what happens sometimes is when Chase lends you something, you end up uh, att- either attempting or actually purchasing it from him. Um, he, he, he said the caveat was, don't worry, you can't have this one. So it does have to go back. But in the meantime, I am really having fun wearing probably definitely the most stressiest watch and you know that I have in my box right now, and uh, and getting a flavor for what 
you know, having um, rose gold on the wrist is. And uh, it's got the wheels turning, man. It's got the wheels turning. Yeah. Well, two quick things. One, you know what they say. Everything's for sale. That's <laughs> Chase, num- Chase, don't listen. Chase, don't listen. That's number one. Number two, um, yeah, I we've been talking for months, both on the podcast and off, you know, just offline about um, the fact that I've been obsessing about stealing gold for the past maybe two years. And so I went in to see our friends at uh, at Feldmar the other day and basically looked at pretty much every stealing gold sport model from Omega. And they, they make such good watches in gold and in steel and gold. It's, it's really cool. So yeah, I think you might end up with that. That's, that's a great piece. The text, the text threads have been, uh, active the last couple of days with your trip over to Feldmar. This, you know, this, I, I put on my wrist walking out of Hovig's on, uh, this past last Friday, I suppose it was, um, and lots of pictures, lots of pictures and people, I can tell people are thinking, you know, people are getting some ideas. Well, I'm officially an old man now, so I'm allowed to get a gold watch. I think that's how that works. Don't you get, it's almost like getting plaqued, right? Once you hit a certain age, don't you sort of get one just magically appears on your wrist? I, you know what, from your lips to God's ears, dude, if that's how it works, um, I'm down. That's cheaper. <laughs> well, hey, I've got, speaking of Omega, it's not gold, but I'm I'm wearing the, the tried and true, the trusty Omega Seamaster. This is the Seamaster 300M. The 2018 release, kind of the the world beater Rolex killer, you know, update on the Bond watch. This is the black dial, and I love this. This would very, very easily be a credible choice as a one watch, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, so that's that's what's on wrist for me. Definitely foreshadowing the main topic. You know that I don't know if it's just because of the few people, you know, the people I follow or or pay close attention to, it's never gone unnoticed um that particular omega but it seems to have been getting some really um really good play lately people really continuing to to you know and 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 rightfully so kind of uh sing its praises it's an awesome watch i love that one it's one of my favorites you have yeah absolutely and then in the glass so we we kind of got skunked trying to drive up angeles crest highway but at the base of angeles crest highway right the communities of uh montrose and um, locking out of Flint Ridge. So we went into Montrose. There's a cool, like, you know, German market. And I picked up a couple of bottles of this. This is one of my favorite beers. This is Kloster Ondex. So this is the, uh, basically the, I, I, you know what? I don't know if they're Benedictine or what, but the the monks in Bavaria. And these guys are like just, I think, south southwest of Munich. Um, really idyllic setting and they make a fantastic beer. So, so good. So if you have an opportunity to get it again, this is the, the Kloster Ondex, the Ondexer Hell beer. Just very, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like, it's, it's like one of the chewiest lagers I've ever had. You know, it's got, there's more body. I think there's a little more yeast than you typically expect. It's kind of like a cross between a lager and a, a good Hefeweizen. That sounds awesome. I might have to make a stop over there. As, as, I was going to ask you if you go if you go up Angeles Crest from what is it Glendora on the on the far side, or if you come over to La Cunada. I come up. I go over to La Cunada and then go up the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I do too. It's it's a pretty short jump for me. That beer sounds fantastic. I, I, it sounds like I might need to to stop over there and pick up pick up. And I actually don't know that market very well, so it sounds like that's another reason to go over there and check it out. Oh yeah. I'll give you all the information. It's a, a great place. Basically a little meat market, a lot of imp- imported kind of foodstuffs. Um, 
and then you know the the beers that are a little hard to find. It's it's fun. I like it. Before I tell you what's in my glass, uh, quickly, I, I do want to hear how your I, I gave you uh, a small kind of take takeaway of the uh, persimmon puree and also the date syrup from our last two um, cocktail matchmakers. Did you get a chance to to play around with those at all? Yeah, I actually made both of those. I did um, the the date, and it's um, you suggested rye with that, right? Bourbon or rye? I think whatever yeah, your, I, your taste preferences. Yeah, I want to say the suggestion was rye. I had bourbon. I did bourbon. It was great. Really, really uh, fantastic cocktail. Um, kind of matches that uh, that woody kind of sweetness. So that was fantastic. I did the persimmon cocktail earlier today. That was also, I thought that was more interesting and academic. Like I liked mm. it. Mm-hmm. I definitely overdid it with the, the rosemary, like to garnish. Cause it was, <laughs> it ended up being all, all nose. So it was all rosemary. So if you try to make that, if you're listening to this and you make Greg's like persimmon puree, uh, that was a, a tequila old fashioned, Mm-hmm. Um, the concept for that is great, but definitely go easy on the rosemary. Cause I kind of ruined it with that, but the, the don't, date don't, cocktail don't, in particular was great. Don't use, don't use as much rosemary as you might use to cook a whole chicken. Is that what the lesson was? Correct. That was my wife's <laughs> feedback. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just garnish, man. Who cares? Who says having fun? That's right. So yeah, they were both good. I, I That's cool. highly recommend it. I'm glad you liked them. Um, in my glass, uh, this would be January's, uh, installment for, um, Magave Latte. So you guys know I usually share at least one of these per month because I get it, you know, we get a new one every month. Um, this is a Habali, which is a quite a rare agave. You don't see a ton of these. They're, they're hard to come by, especially in quantity enough to make, you know, large batches. Um, and it's a, a very difficult agave to work with. Uh, apparently there are some um, saponins and, and some other maybe things within the agave itself that actually cause a lot of within in the distillation process to foam like dramatically and and potentially break um distillation pots and so it's a it's difficult to find difficult to work with um it actually ends up delivering this sort of yellowish tint which if you were you know new to it or or sort of unschooled you might think oh maybe that was a tainted batch or is this maybe like rested in something why is it not white like i would expect the muscala to be um but it's just uh the hobbly is a very different plant and, uh, and that's sort of the, 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 um, you know, one of the characteristics of it. It's fantastic. It's delicious. Uh, the maestro's name is, uh, Herman Manzano Martinez. Um, and he is from Santa Maria Zoquitlan in Oaxaca. This checks in at 46% and there was, uh, 380 liters in the batch. So, um, and one more plug on those guys they're local. You know, I think in, they're on the shelf in New York and in California, a couple local places, Maestro, which we talk about. I love those guys in Pasadena, um, Pattern Bar, House of Agave in, in downtown, which is like 8th and Grand, and uh, and a few other places, Republique, um, notably. Um, oh, I love on that the shelf. place. Oh, so good. So good. And then I think they're on the shelf at KNL. So anyway, really great right pour, really fun. Hey, yeah. And for the, um, for people like me who are kind of the agave spirit noob, right? The Habali uh, is kind of the equivalent to, or, or think of things like Espadine, Habali, these are sort of like the agave equivalent to grape varietals, and they're going to produce different kinds of agave spirits, tequila, and, um, oh, come on, help me out, Greg, mezcal. Mezcal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then, you know, these are kind of the colloquial terms, you know, Habali, Espadine, there's, there's, you know, the Latin, you know, scientific names, agave, you know, Angustifolia, and, you know, 
court yep. convalis and all those things. Anyway. Right on. Well, dude, that is all good, but let's jump into the main topic because, again, we are we are on a time crunch. We talked a little bit about the concept of the Seamaster as a good one-watch, like a one-watch collection, although realistically, we're talking about a watch plus maybe a, a G-Shock or whatever, but everybody talks about this. I mean, every every conversation you have with somebody that you know in the watch hobby, or I should say everybody you know in the watch hobby for a long time, you have this conversation with, right? Like the what one watch could you live with? You know, if you only could have one, everybody talks about it. But I think the thing that's kind of fun is for everybody, it's a different answer. You learn a lot about people and their preferences. You know, you get different arguments in favor or against different watches from different people. And it changes over time. You know, my answer to that question 10 years ago would be different. That's right. And, and, and if nothing, we're, we're a romantic bunch in the watch community, right? We love to be romantic about what our dive watch is capable of or how we're going to use it or where we explore with our adventure watch or, uh, or what it would be like to live with one watch as a, any civilian would probably most likely do. We're a romantic bunch and this is a romantic topic. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a really good way to put it. So I think everybody has asked that question. A lot of podcasts have dealt with it. We're going to deal with it too, but we're going to ask the question two ways. So think of it like this, right? One question is what one watch as a watch enthusiast, knowing what you know about watches, would you pick if you could only have one? The other way to answer this question is what if you knew everything that you know about watches and that your collection as it exists now remains intact, but you get one more watch and that's it. So, you know, you have the opportunity to capstone, uh, round out your collection, however you want to put it, but you get one more. That's a different, completely different answer for a lot of people. I think it really is. I want to give you credit for concocting this by the way, too, because I actually misunderstood it when we were sharing show notes. And when we talked it through, I was much more, I thought it was much more original because it's, you know, I, like you said, a lot of people talk about, What's the one watch, you know, if I could all pare down and only have one, that's, that's that, you know, and that's fun. And, and we, I'll do that with anybody and, and, and it, it will have fun doing it. But, um, I thought this was original. Well, thank you, my dude. I appreciate it. I, I try. Yeah. Well, you know, it, tell everybody in the household that you got a, a, a start for today. Sweet. I don't know. That might be a, a tough sell. I, my dryer fix didn't take. So, we'll <laughs> and have I have to, to say, I don't I think you saw my comment. I, I didn't know where you were when you took that wrist shot and given who you are and what you like to do, I thought you were like in a jet engine and all of a sudden I'm like, this dude's just fix, fixing his dryer. Yeah, man, I'm handy like that. So anyhow, there you go. I, I'm, I'm not a watchmaker and I've learned that I'm not a, uh, appliance repairman either. So let's, let's start dude. So I think right uh, the first things you have to think about when you approach this question are kind of the factors to consider, you know, what is your occupation? You know, where do you, what are your like living and working environment? You know, do you have hobbies? How hard on you are, sorry, how hard are you on a watch to say that three times fast? Uh, you know, ease of like long-term service and repair, stuff like that. So all of these are, are things you have to think of, right? And on top of that, you're also considering what you already have and and maybe what you would call that quote unquote missing, you know, piece. Yeah. Yeah. The second half of that question, it's a completely different, you know, it, uh, it's got a different complexion. So 
I've kind of come up with a list. I mean, I know this is what I've thought of as you know, things that I could live with. And the more I thought about it, I, I found myself working down the funnel from stuff that are like it, it, very obvious choices, really great watches to, you know, something that I, I ended up landing on something that was very out of left field, I think, you know, for a lot of people, but let me kind of walk you through this. Well, first of all, I've got, I think, like I said, you know, four or five choices. Do you want me to just go through mine or do you want to maybe go back and forth or how do you think we should handle this? Let's volley it. Um, I have three, I have three things in mind and I don't know if I did this on purpose or if it's just sort of subconscious, but they sort of start on one end of the price spectrum and sort of elevate from there. So it'll be interesting, but I think we should volley. I think that'd be a fun way to do it. Oh, right on. I think I actually go the opposite direction. So for me, anybody who knows me, right, you know, I love the Rolex GMT Master. That to me is just, it's one of my favorite watch designs. I I think it's super practical. And one of the obvious things that popped in my head is a, as a one watch option would be something like either a 16710 like yours or a 116710. I used to have one of those. These are great watches. They're gorgeous, right? Um, classic. You know, you have GMT functionality, you have a bezel. I personally prefer to have a bezel, you know, to be able to do a little bit of on the fly timing. You've got good water resistance. Um, it, it speaks to me really loudly about like the heritage, you know, f- for stuff that I like. You know, I used to be in the airline industry and I was kind of involved in aviation. Um, you know, so all of that speaks really well to that watch. But on the con side, you know, the sort of the the negative side of the ledger, right? There is the the Rolex baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, it is what I've from what I've been hearing, it's getting harder and harder to find independent service for Rolex now. So that means for a lot of people, maybe RSC is going to be the only service. That's good service, but you know, it, it, it tends is. to be I a can attest to it, but that's a good point. Yeah. You know, and then, um, yeah, frankly, you know, possible, like I work now in an environment that is, um, you know, not the, not the greatest neighborhoods and that's maybe not something that I want to be wearing out and about. So for me, that's an emotional favorite, but I probably wouldn't pick it. So I, I like this one. This is really interesting. And I have to imagine without being too like rosy, you know, having rose, rose, um, rose, uh, tinted lenses on, I have to imagine there was a, a whole slew of people, particularly, you know, in the aviation world that a GMT master or a GMT master two was in fact their one watch. And that's pretty cool. And I think that speaks to not only the design, uh, the functionality, um, but sort of this exercise we're going through that that could conceivably do most, uh, if not everything that you needed to do. Yeah, especially, you know, I don't want to wax too poetic about this watch or spend too much time on it. But when you think about it back you in the- You can go all day. The, I love it. <laughs> in the late 50s, 60s, even 70s, right? The the cop out of having, uh, you know, maybe you have a G-Shock or a Swatch uh, as a backup or as a beater. That didn't exist. You know, the, the GMT Master probably was your watch. You're absolutely right. So anyhow, that's that's my first choice, but I don't I don't think I'd land there. How about you? I love it. I think I could easily see how, why you arrived there. And I think a number of people would, would probably agree with you. Um, when we, when we did our sort of pre-show talk about this, I think as I understood it, you know, it's not that money is never a consideration, but we were able to sort of put our wallet aside and say, Hey, we're just dreaming up 
you know, where, where we would take this. So I I've been, you know, I work, you know, at a desk primarily and um, I, I just don't feel like I ever have a proper dress watch. And I don't think most people need a proper dress watch these days. Things are getting so much more casual, less formal. Um, and also I've, like you said, you asked somebody this five years ago versus today versus tomorrow, their answer is going to be different. I don't feel quite the need to ha- check every box off now, you know, every tick, every box in the watch, you know, collection, you know, handbook, you need a chronograph, you need a dress watch, you need a dive watch. Like I don't, you buy what you buy, you buy what you like, right? That's, I think what we, you know, when you finally get to that place, you feel quite confident in that. There's other people that feel differently and that's all good too. Anyway, all that to say, I don't feel like I have a, a, a proper dress uh, dress watch, but also one that could sort of do a lot of things, right? And you can dress it up and you can dress it down. So, you know, this, I'm pretty sure it was this past year, or maybe 2021, quite, quite struck by this one. And I think a, a number of people were, this is the Grand Seiko, you know, stick with me here in the, in the nomenclature, SBGY007 in the uh, Elegance Collection. This is their, that blue Lake Suwa dial on a basically a 38 and a half millimeter um, manual wind spring drive. You know which one I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I know exactly. It's relatively new. It's hot. It's super hot. I mean, that it, it for me, it checks all the sort of Grand Seiko boxes, right? You get beautiful dial. You get the spring drive technology. Um, they took that power reserve off the front and, and come at me if you want. Uh, and they put it on the back on the, on the, on the movement side, that is a slam dunk. And, and it's a, it really just opens up the dial, you know, to be appreciated without being sort of, you know, complicated by a complication. Um, it's beautiful. I love it. And it, uh, I think you could easily dress it up, dress it down on the strap selection on your attire. Uh, it certainly doesn't have to be a dress watch, but it certainly could be. And I think you could easily throw it on with t-shirt and jeans, blue dial. I, I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. That would be, that's, that's my first nomination. Yeah, no, I think that's like highly credible, especially knowing, like, as you say, you know, what you do for a living and, and how you're working your work environment. I think most of the day, that's probably going to be a great watch for you. And it's, um, it certainly cleans up really nice. That's right. Yeah. You know, and I've been been talking about Grand Seiko for a while. Would love, would love for something to be on the wrist, appreciate the finishing, what they stand for, the innovation, the tradition. I mean, there's a lot to love there, right? I mean, this is not new to anybody listening to this pod, but um, anyway, that's uh, my first nomination. I think it's a strong one. No, it is. In fact, I think I will um, kind of breeze through because I had, I had picked as a second choice, pretty much almost any flavor of Grand Seiko GMT. And there's a lot of options, whether, you know, you're talking about high beat or spring drive or quartz. I think any of those would serve you really well. But the one that I actually would probably spend two seconds actually talking about would be, you know, not a Grand Seiko, but, you know, surprise, surprise, another Rolex. In this case, the 16570. So this is a watch I have. This would be the the 16570 Explorer 2 white or black. I prefer white because I think it's just, you know, to the untrained eye, doesn't look like a typical like Rolex sport model. What I like about this watch, Greg, I mean, it's got the GMT functionality. I love that. To me, that harkens to kind of my time in the travel world and the airline industry and stuff like that. It's got really good like sports watch overall appeal. It wears fantastic. It's a little more low vis, I think, you know, than a GMT master. 
especially if you were to take it off of the bracelet and the the older case design of the five digit explorer lends itself to being on like a leather strap or a NATO strap, maybe a little better than a six digit GMT. So it's the kind of thing where, you know, if I needed to, to make it a little bit more stealthy, that wouldn't be that hard, especially with the white dial get decent water resistance. I think on the sort of on the negative side, it has some of the same issues as the GMT. You know, it is, it's Rolex and that, that kind of is what it is. You're either, you're, you're down with it or you're not. Um, I think the, the lack of a rotating bezel might be a bummer long-term, but I could probably live with that. So that would be my next choice. And, you know, bonus, that's something that's already in the stable for me. Polar Polar has been on fire, I feel like, for a number, you know, a couple years now. It was one of those surprisingly, I guess, and very few <laughs> overlooked in the in the catalog, right, for a little while. And uh, it's not anymore for a good reason. Um, but it is still, quote unquote, understated when you look at, you know, when you look through the rest of, you know, um, the Rolex catalog. And, uh, you know, the black one, you know, the black Explorer 2 is probably somewhat underappreciated to some degree maybe at the current moment, given all the love that the Polar's getting. Um, but they were both obviously just below where they probably should have been. And they're, they're both being appreciated. That's a great watch. I love it. We have a number of friends that have them. Um, I would love to have one. Yeah, I wore the black one for a while and I ended up not going with it long-term just because the um, the legibility is so much better on the white dial. I would say that the white dial Polar Explorer is the most legible modern Rolex. I'd agree with you, and 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 even to top that off, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the way that the uh, hour markers are executed is really special on the white, right? Because you get that extra pop, which which is basically you know tacky piggybacking onto your legibility piece, but that's really special on the white dial, whereas on you know the black dial, it's it's sort of ho hum. Correct. Yeah, that's I agree. Yep. Yeah. So what do you have next? That's a that's a bomb pick, and I'm I'm team five digit. You know that. Um, Ever since my early days of collecting, there was a few. So we talked about this at the, at the jump, right? But we'll, we'll probably reflect on it. There's, you asked this question when you first start collecting versus, you know, yesterday versus tomorrow. It's going to continue to change. But in the early days of my collecting, there was always a few watches that always had a pull on me that always somehow pulled me back in. Um, I've had, I've been fortunate to get some of them, but some of them continue to be slightly out of reach. And one had always been. And I think I want to say uh, uh, our friends at Rich Cheese maybe were afraid to 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 go with the full pronunciation. They went JLC. I'm going to go out there. Chase can correct me. Herology Formal. Anyone can correct me. I'm going to I'm going to put it on record though. Yeager Leco. How did I do? Oh, so I have I have thoughts. <laughs> Give me them. So I always I say Jaeger. Okay, you go Jaeger. I say Jaeger. This that is sounds really American of you. So American, American, American English, English is a Germanic language, right? So um, Jaeger, whether they pr- say it, you know, Jaeger or whatever, Jaeger in in the Francophonic kind of dialects, languages, um, it's still basically a German word. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you want to say Jaeger, it, you know, it's kind of like, okay, that's how they say it. But we, you know, the... the Germanic language kind of thing. I feel fine saying Jaeger. So I say Jaeger or JLC. I love it. I love it. When we were with the out of time guys and we were, and Chase kept correcting us on everything from, you know, 
color pronunciations to everything else. I love throwing it out there and seeing how people react. I'm going to tag Francophonic and see how many hashtags um, respond to that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the JLC. Uh, I always wanted a vintage uh, yellow gold. Um, not gold filled. I wanted solid gold, yellow gold Memovox. That to me was just pure class. I love an alarm function, a very, I mean, quite frankly, we don't need any of these watches, but today, even less so do you need an alarm function, but a super, you know, uh, cool function from a years gone by. Um, and I always wanted a yellow gold, um, uh, uh, uh Memovox. They make, you know, a master control Memovox right now. Uh, it's in stainless, it's pretty good. It's really good, which was in some ways expected, of course, but it's pretty, I think it's true in some ways to the vintage styling. Um, and of course it's been updated to some degree. I'm not even talking from a technical perspective. I mean, from a, an aesthetics perspective, but I think it's a pretty good representation of what they're, you know, a watch that they're absolutely and supremely known for. And, um, and I'm picking that one, you know, just to kind of stay modern, you know, easier to maintain and service, you know, the price tag on it is, is substantially higher. Uh, but it's at 40 millimeters. It's in that sweet spot. I would love an alarm function. I would love to own, you know, JLC, the sort of watchmakers watchmaker as everybody and their mother likes to say. Um, and, uh, and I think it would be a lot of fun. It would scratch some kind of itch that I think I've had for, for quite some time. I've never had an alarm watch and that would be fun, whether it's like a a Vulcan or a Jaeger or whatever, that would be a lot of fun. Or Hey, a Tudor advisor talk about underappreciated watch. Yeah. Yeah. You can find them. I think, you know, you can, there's, I mean, any number of bygone, you know, brands that, you know, you could find a a pretty reasonable entry point into an alarm watch, but, um, Seiko Seiko Bellmatic. 100% 100% love it. I, I, I've, I've made a few offers on few, you know, on a couple and, and just wasn't able to pull it together. But yeah, you're right. Same. I've, I've tried to land a few of those and I've never been successful one day. Well, dude, yeah. my next choice gets a little bit like, uh, you know, it leaves the, the quote unquote luxury world behind a little bit. Um, and for me, this is maybe up my alley. You know me. So this is probably not going to surprise you. But my next choice... And this is really in a tie for first for me. Um, I, I'm talking about it first as opposed to the one that I end up with, but uh, I could easily see this being a tie for first. And that is the Zen 103 Titanium Diapal. So that's the, the 103 chronograph with UTC functionality. It's in the titanium execution they they call it diapal or like the diamond palette technology so it's you know kind of a lubrication free movement on some of the bearing surfaces the idea is it's it uh, you know increases longevity super cool watch it's it kind of does everything you know you've got a, a external timing bezel it's a chronograph time and date watch and then you've got that 12 hour gmt function and the way zen does it is so elegant you know it's you give up a little something to, you know, a conventional like 24 hour GMT function, but it looks so much better. If you've ever, you know, seen the, the, the way Zen does it with the 12 hour and there's that, you know, the syringe hand for the hours mm-hmm. and then the exact same size cutout syringe hand for, uh, GMT hours. So you only get 12 hours of offset instead of 24, but for most people, you know, that's going to be plenty. You know, if you're traveling someplace like, you know, let's say Paris, even from the West coast of the United States, you're going to be inside that envelope. You know, it's titanium. It looks really cool. 
The bracelet is fantastic on it. It is a little big. I mean, that's probably the drawback is that it is kind of a chunky watch, um, a little bit big, uh, but it's going to wear light. And it is the kind of thing that, you know, you, you'll get nods of respect, like with, you know, in the watch community, but at the same time, nobody is going to see that on your wrist. It's, it looks completely stealthy and it's just pure utilitarian. I want to say it's a 7753, 7753. I could be wrong. That might actually be the, uh, like the, the tri-compact 24 hour layout, but it's, it's based on the 7750 and the newer versions of it from Zen, I think are no longer Valjoux movements. I believe they are Le Jou Paray. So they're correct. even a little, a little more up level. So right. if you get, if you get the most recent versions, you know, probably a little bit more kind of swanky, but, um, super cool. And that's, that would be a real hard choice for me. That, that watch looms large in my imagination as an only watch. I think sweet. Um, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. Quick reaction. I associate Zen with syringe handsets and I love it. Yeah. I've, I've had a couple of Zen watches in the past. The most recently was the three, five, six UTC, which would be another really strong contender um, for a, a one watch. Our friend summer yeah. Eskimo has my old watch. Chase has one. Um, they're great watches. Fantastic. It's basically, it takes like the best IWC Flieger and then improves on it. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you've been sin heavy, you know, for, for a little while now, right? It's not sin, uh, uh, you know, really looking for them. So I, I think, you know, that's going to find its way back into your collection pretty soon. It could be, that's one of those brands like, you know, as I said, Omega, Seiko, Zen, these are our brands. You could like start and finish an entire lifetime of collecting and just with one brand. That is that that sort of is the holy trinity for for Matt, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I can't well, think of any three more that better represent you. Well, let me ask you: Do you have an, any more, or do you want me to just slap down my my last one, the final choice? I got another one, and then you, you, you're going to be the grand finale. All right. So I'm going all the way up market here. I've kind of gone one step up on the ladder each time, and. Um, you know, this is a little bit, I don't want to say grail. I hate saying grail and, 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 you know, in some ways, what does that even mean? Right. But, um, you know, for me, I think it would be a real, you know, stretch, but I think would be quite, um, would feel quite good. Um, you know, a Langa 1815 up down, um, would be incredible. And, um, you know, I think in rose gold is beautiful. You can sense a, a, where my mind is running these days based on the wrist check earlier. Just a gorgeous watch. Again, I think you can, this is a probably a little dressier, of course, and, and it's going to always look that way, but I still think you can dress this down, you know, when need be. And um, when we were making this up, I was thinking, wow, if you really shoot for the stars, because I think you even said that to me, right? At one point, you know, you could kind of shoot for the stars here. It's not, you know, in our watch circles, I feel like everybody's, you know, Gaga over the, you know, the Vacheron overseas, um, you know, uh, uh, titanium right now. That's not where I'm going. It's not what gets my kind of gets my, my engine going. Um, but this does, I mean, this is just classic beauty, beautiful watchmaking. You know, we were just, you know, talking about Zen. Now we're sticking, sticking around in Germany. We, we've been really all over the world, which is pretty cool. You know, Grand Seiko, Zen, uh, Lange, 
Um, this would be really fun. I think it would be something that would easily, you know, accomplish almost everything you needed to accomplish um, in a super classy way. And again, talk about having all the respect of, of anybody who's sort of in the know. You know, I, I think this would be something that would, uh, you know, make you happy and and certainly be something that uh, would be a conversation piece with anybody that you would uh, be talking to about it. Oh, that's a fantastic choice. And I like the fact that you just kind of laid it out there. The, you know, the Vacheron, it's a, it's a great watch. I really like it. I, yeah, super cool. But it, it, it's not for everybody. And, you know, that uh, just the classic Lango and Zona, you know, architecture and design language is just perfect. So and I'm kind of another. Yeah, thanks. And to beat another dead horse, talk about putting doing a power reserve indicator well. <laughs> and right. applauding Grand Seiko for taking it off the dial side and putting it on the moves side. Here I am ending up with a, a power reserve indicator, but something I think is uh, expertly you know, done, well executed. Yeah, well, I went kind of the other direction and I, I stayed very reasonable for, or you know, relatively speaking, for my one watch. And this is the thing that I probably you know, came out of left field with, but you know, it, uh, it hits you like a ton of bricks. It's so perfect. And for me, the, probably my final choice. And the thing I would really give serious thought to as a one watch would be, and I feel like an idiot cause now I can't locate the little post-it note with the reference, but the, um, two generations past Omega Seamaster. So this is the, the sword hands GMT. So they made it in white, sometimes known as the great white and they made it in a black dial. It does not have the helium release valve. Depending on which kind of one you get, it's either got the Seamaster bracelet or the Speedmaster bracelet. Usually the white one has the Speedmaster bracelet. I personally like the black dial. I think it's got a little bit better contrast. Uh, But again, it's it's kind of this perfect watch. You have the GMT functionality, and it does have... um, you know, a jumping local hour. So kind of like the, the Rolex style GMT movement technology, uh, made by Etta for Omega, you know, decent water resistance. You've got the external bezel and the fact that it's got the kind of the twisted lugs that are common to the Seamaster. You can take the bracelet off and throw that thing on a NATO or leather or on some kind of a, a fabric strap. And it looks phenomenal. And when you don't want it to be visible, it's not. But at the same time, I mean, Omega is still a very respectable brand. It's fun. It's quirky. It does everything you want it to. And that that probably would be my choice if I could only have one thing. Love it. Um, the reference could be 2538. Does that sound familiar? That does sound right. Love it. Um, I, you know what? I didn't think about this going into it, but um, I want to pat ourselves on the back building off our last episode in what are the other things to pay attention to, right? To avoid the hype and think about the six or seven watches we just went through. Um, Pretty much all of them veered somewhere off center. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think it's true to, you know, what we enjoy, what we collect and what we talk about. Yeah, totally. Well, now there's the, the other half of this equation though, right? Is the, the way we would answer the question if it was not, if you could only have one watch, but it's if you could only have one more watch and this could probably be a lot quicker because you, you know, you don't have to, uh, narrow down and, and mentally abandon ship on all of your other watches in your collection. I've got a couple ideas. And unfortunately my first one is very much, 
in in the hype category. <laughs> <laughs> right as I said, right as I gave ourselves kudos, I love it. Yeah. So I tell you lean, what, just lean into it. Lean into it, it. Just in the interest of time and kind of speeding this along, I mean, there was a couple of things that I thought of, right? And it's like, uh, well, first and foremost, gold is on my mind. So why not piss off our friend Brodinky and just get the full Sedna Speedmaster? Boom. And just send send good thoughts to uh to the wrist cheese radios guys. And you know, th- something like that would be so much fun. And something, you know, maybe in my life would probably only come out on special occasions, but it would be a phenomenal thing to have. And isn't watch collecting supposed to be fun? It is, it is. So it's like the anti-hype hype. I guess that's not really a hype watch, but the other thing I thought of though, and this realistically probably, well, I don't know, a Zeitwerk, if I was going to swing for the fences, the Zeitwerk probably would be what I would choose. But the real watch, honestly, that I probably would take if I could only have one more right now, I would do the steel and gold. I call it the major Gantt, the uh, GMT master, the root beer. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so not the, not the full gold, but the, you know, the steel and gold, Clint Eastwood, you know, modern GMT master and I'm done and that's it. This is, this is, this thought experiment has, has gone down in your head before. Once or twice. (laughs) And it may happen once or twice more. Uh, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's, it doesn't get much better than that. In my opinion, I probably might be lockstep with you on this one. This is one of the few times that you're, you're both you and I, aesthetically, um, historically, and also sort of just practically, you know, completely mind melded. I'm a big fan. I love that watch. I could, I could easily see, you know, wearing that as the only watch. Yeah, man, that's rad. And that would be, you know, in a perfect world where I didn't have to worry about getting like, you know, my forearm chopped off or stuck up at gunpoint, that probably would be my only watch choice too. Yeah, no, that's, you know, that's one that I think we can realistically daydream on. It's certainly not something that you would make happen, you know, with the snap of your fingers. But um, in some ways, in, in the most fun way, it is potentially realistically possible. And that's a, that's kind of a fun way to think about it, too. Yeah, it is. It's certainly probably more possible than, you know, a, uh, a Zeitwerk. So, yeah. 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 Well, dare to dream. Yeah, totally. How about some closing notes? Um, wanted to let you know that I stopped by when I did have a chance to pick up, uh, or I should say pick up, take home this Omega DeVille uh, from our friend Chase. I, the reason I was there, which you had been there, I think only just a few weeks earlier, was I was, I was at Hovig's Supply House in downtown Los Angeles at the St. Vincent Jewelry Center. And I did grab one of those vegetable um, tanned calfskins, which you, I believe, also picked a few up uh, in addition to some other things. And we had included on our holiday gift guide, which is on our website, by the way, spiritoftime.co, uh, spiritoftime.co. And um, and also the absolutely perfect Horween marbled two-stitch strap for the Oris Big Crown, which I just posted, I think, this past week on my on my personal page. And um, so that was a ton of fun to see Natalie and the, and the, and the team over there and, and come home with some fun stuff. Um, and then lastly, I posted this on the spirit of time the other day in a story, but Hodinkee, did you catch the latest episode of Hodinkee radio? Um, well, that would be today. Oh, I'm sorry. Then I'm, I'm backed up then the previous episode to that. I did not. 
there was the uh, uh, James and uh, and Jack actually had on the author of that J.P. Morgan pocket watch, the J. Player and Son, which was one of our closing notes from t- three episodes, I guess, when this drops three episodes ago. Uh, and they had the author on from the Times, L.A. Times. Awesome story. I think uh, probably a number of people have already read it at this point. But if you haven't listened to the latest episode of Odinka Radio, check it out because you get a, a sort of behind the scenes peek at um, at how that reporting went down. And um, and I, I believe the author, I think his name is Daniel Miller. He had been on with those guys before. So um, he's a watch guy, which is neat. But uh, just neat. It's really cool to, to see that story continue to get some publicity. Yeah, I did see that. I that is on my must listen to list. Um, I got a lot of uh, heads ups. What's the plural of heads up? Head, <laughs> heads up. Head heads ups. I don't. Anyway, a bunch of people contacted me about that, and yeah, that was a great final notes from a few weeks back. I really the one thing I have is just something that I'm about to restart. It's it's um, again. It makes me think of our buddy Brodinky. Um, if you've never read this or or if you have the opportunity to listen, I spent a lot of time in the car, so I listen to books as much as I can. Jacques Pepin, um, extremely important uh, chef out of France, mid-century. He was one of these people who kind of brought you know, fine cuisine, French cooking to the masses. He has a book. It's an autobiography. It's called The Apprentice. It's great. And if you have an opportunity to listen to it, all the better. Um, I've, I think I mentioned this once before. It's it's a really fun read. That's kind of my final note to for today would be you know Jacques Pepin's The Apprentice. He's getting on in years. You know he's he's an old guy, um, and he's a bit of a treasure in the food world. You know, there's a lot of kind of I don't know new celebrity chefs, the new hotness, the you know all that stuff going on. But this guy is the real deal who kind of paved the way for everybody else. So. That's my suggestion. You know, give that a look. Love it. Love it. I, I hope we can dig more into sort of the cooking aspect of of our um, of our podcast soon. And I know you'll lead the charge there. So that sounds really cool. I'm going to check it out. Right on, dude. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you, uh, you know, putting up with me and doing kind of an abbreviated format. We're at about 45 minutes today instead of an hour, which is cool. But we've got some good stuff brewing. We just didn't want to let this hang and, and not get an episode out. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Please check out uh, our friends at Hovig's. Please check out our friends at Feldmar. And have a great week. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. Take care. See you soon. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at spiritoftimepodcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.